Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Hello, all our history heroines. Today I have a joke for you. Ha 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 ha. Why did God make Adam before Eve? Wait. Okay, I, I don't know why I'm actually trying to figure out. I should just let you tell the joke. Why, Kelly? Everyone needs a rough draft before they make the final copy. Oh, oh you need some eyes for that burn. Yeah, Biblical like burn. That That's actually super fucking funny. I was like this one. What's the fastest way to a man's heart? Through, Through his, his chest, chest with a sharp knife. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I just say, like, without even thinking immediately, I was like, murder brain. Yeah, I got one more. Yes. What's the difference between a clitoris and a golf ball? A man will spend 20 minutes tr- trying to find a golf ball. This one's a man will actually look for a yeah. golf ball. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this is Whining About Herstory, a women's history podcast where, you know, we laugh about dumb feminist jokes. And we also talk about a lot of women who you probably haven't heard of and drink a bit of wine while doing it. I'm Kelly. I'm Emily. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yay. I still sound like crap, but you know what? I'm owning it. It's just who I am now. We love you. Yeah, it's 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 totally fine. So before we get started, um, Kelly and I really on this podcast like to impose our opinions and our views and uh, our wishes onto you as a listener because you're engaging in this voluntarily. So mm-hmm. I am using this opportunity to tell everyone that they need to go and see... <laughs> Oh, Every- God, I just realized what you're about to say. Everything, everywhere, all at once. It did look interesting from the preview is- I watched. Okay, you guys, it is such a good movie. My friend took me to it, and I, I hadn't even heard of it, and I had no concept of what the fuck was going on. It's about, like, intergenerational immigrant family oh, dynamics. It's like a, a, multi, a multiverse movie. Yeah, it's about the multiverse. It's about relationships. It's about, like accepting your children and loving your children. There are also three, count them, three sex toy fights. Someone jumps on a butt dildo and then proceeds to do kung fu. This is like, while I, like with it in their butt? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that like this part, this movie is equal parts like existential crisis and fucking hilarious and absurd. It is so good. It's kind of everything that you want out of a movie and everything that audiences have been demanding. And I'm like, why are we sleeping on this movie? Everyone, please go see it. You will not be disappointed. It is a goddamn trip. It is so good. And immediately after this, I'm dragging Kelly and we're going to go see the movie. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I, I'm going to make you watch it one of these days because you will love the absolute hell out of it. Okay. It's so good. A lot of really good actors in it. But yeah, so go see. I, I always screw up the screw up the order. Everything e- every, all together all at once. Everything everywhere all at once. Okay. Yeah. Seriously, go see it. It's amazing. All right. Well, Kelly. What? I'm oh shit, never mind. I'm going first today. Yeah. You didn't pick a wine. I did oh crap. You're sick. I yeah, I totally forgot. We like took a bathroom break and everything and I didn't grab a wine. Um I'm drinking Diet Coke. Yeah, I'm drinking flavored water. Yeah. So she's sick. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You don't have to drink. It's not required by this podcast. Mm-mm. If you don't like to drink, if you, drinking is not a healthy choice for you, if you can't drink, 
That's we to, still love you. We still love you. And even we don't drink sometimes mm-hmm. because it's not required. Boom. And there's nothing wrong with Mike you for drip. not wanting to drink. Okay. So uh, I just want everyone to bear with me because I wrote these notes weeks ago. Yeah. My notes are like three so weeks old. So I feel like I'm going to be surprised as I'm reading this story. <laughs> like... Oh my God, that's so cool. I wonder what happens next. And then I continued to read my notes. So today I am covering Fatima Al-Fahir. Okay. So, uh, this is also going to be a super short episode, guys. Yeah, no, my, my story is a page. (laughs) And mine is two. I think I, I think I did this story when I was, uh, like super busy because I was working my full-time job. I was working my part-time job. I was trying to do the podcast. I was trying to like go to the gym and You're trying to be keep like my me. health house clean yeah and um i was like i need a super obscure woman who we know nothing about let's do this so uh fatima was born in 800 ad in kauran of present-day tunisia okay. and as part of a larger migration her family relocated from modern day tunisia oh my god two sentences in two sentences in they relocated from modern-day Tunisia, to Fez. All of that just to get to the word Fez. Yeah, good job. God damn it. So they may have been looking for greater opportunities as the family was not super wealthy. However, after relocating, Fatima's father, Muhammad al-Fahir, found great success as a merchant. So, like, he was all about that hustle. He built up a a fortune like really rags to riches like did the damn thing all about that hustle about that hustle no slackers <laughs> oh my god i love it but yeah i mean it's like the he's living the fez dream working hard for his family working hard for his family so fatima and her sister Miriam were afforded really good education yeah. because of this and that's awesome because as we know from many of our stories, education for girls is not always a priority. Good job, parents. Sometimes it's actually the anti-priority. It's like actively discouraged. (laughs) So when Muhammad died, his fortune was left to Fatima and her sister, Miriam. The money was little consolation, though. Fatima had just been married, but her husband and then father soon died after the wedding. Oh, Jesus. So, So like... She gets all this money, but, like, her father has just died and her husband, who she just married, has just died. So, like, she's having kind of a bummer of a time. Despite the turmoil in Fatima's life, or perhaps because of it, Fatima used her inheritance to build the now famous... Oh, crap. Why didn't I put the phonetic pronunciation next to this? Emily, what were you doing just the go for famous, it. The now famous al Karoin Mosque. And this was named after the other immigrants her family had traveled with to Fez. Aww. So it was almost like like anyone could go there, but it was specifically kind of in honor of them. Because obviously yeah. all these people had been, you know, had like left their home country and moved and they were looking for better opportunities and there wasn't as much to accommodate them, you know? That's really nice though. So... It's not that there wasn't an available mosque in the area at all, but the community had outgrown the existing one. Yeah, it was too small. Yeah. So Fatima wanted to provide not just a religious safe haven for her community, but a welcoming community space in general. Because, you know, like it's... 
it's Everyone like any, needs somewhere to go. It's like any other place of worship. It's not just about like going to church, going to temple. It's the community and it's the support and especially, you know, these people have emigrated. Yeah. Emigrated from their pre Yeah. That's right. You know what? Words don't matter. It's fine. But you know, they they've relocated and they're trying to establish new lives and new homes. And it must be so comforting to be able to be like, hey, we're all in this together. Right. You can build that community. Like a star, we will shine and play basketball. We're all in this together. <laughs> no. Kelly is disgusted with me right now. I've done my job. <laughs> So she bought an existing mosque that had been built in 845 AD along with the surrounding land. She tore down the existing mosque and rebuilt okay. it using the additional land to double its size. So she like like she's like this isn't working, let's build back better. Fatima oversaw the mosque's construction and it was stated by Tunisian historian Hassan Hosni Adelahab that quote she committed to only using the land she had purchased she dug deep into the land unearthing yellow sand plaster and stone to use so as not to draw suspicion from others and I put a little bracket in there for using too many resources okay so like she didn't want people to be like I don't know, throwing shade at her. Like, you're using all these resources to build this mosque. Fuck you. She literally... She's like, no, I'm using what I have. Yeah, she's like, I own the land, and I'm going to dig as fucking deep into it to get what I need as I have to, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. After 18 years, which honestly, I'm like, that seems like a short amount of time to build a mosque in the well, 800s. To dig, to dig everything out that yeah. you need and then read. Yeah, I agree. I'm like, wow, damn, girl. She was also all about that hustle. So after 18 years, in 859, the mosque was completed. And upon its completion, Fatima entered the mosque and thanked God. I did something similar when my remodeling project was completed, but I guarantee it wasn't as poetic as what Fatima said. And there were probably a lot more expletives in my version. There was a lot of, fuck yes, fuck yes, bitch yes. (laughs) Now, according to family lore... Mary and Fatima's sister took her inheritance and also built a mosque just across the river. And this was named the Al-Andalusian Mosque after the local Andalusians who helped her build it. So her mosque was also finished in 859. And I can't tell if this was like a, wow, we're so cool succeeding together. Or if it was like a a little little sibling rivalry. Yeah. But like, I, I can build a mosque too. I thought it was kind of cool though, because like Fatima's mosque is dedicated to the immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, that came along with her family. And Miriam's is dedicated to the existing people who like that welcomed helped her, yeah. and helped. And I'm like, oh my God, what a like beautiful tribute. So Fatima's mosque built in the 800s is still around today. Holy shit. And it's not really a mosque anymore. It's a university. Oh. It's the University of Al-Karoin. That's awesome. This university is still around and was a stat. It wasn't established as a state university until 1963. So this building has had a uncomprehensible history 
Yeah. Uh, and because the building itself is so old, Fatima is often credited with founding the world's first university. Wow. It was done by a woman. Hell yeah. What's up? So Fatima died sometime in 880 AD, which would put her around like 80 years old. So wow. that, like, bitch lived. <laughs> Girl lived. And we don't know where she's buried, but her commitment to community lives on to this day in that university. Like, she wanted to create this communal space where people could feel closer to their spirituality, mm-hmm. where they could find community and learn. Commun- and I feel like... University's great for that. It's, I mean, really, it's just the modern day interpretation of that. Yeah. it's. I love it. And I think it's so sweet. Now, Grant, quick disclaimer. A lot of this stuff is disputed. Like, Fatima is credited with founding this university and, like, creating this mosque. But the whole synergy between her and her sister is often chalked up to, you know, family lore. Because everyone's like, I don't know, it seems a little weird that, like... They both built mosques across the river. Like, like they're almost mirror images of each other. And I think... Oh, crap. I should have I should have double-checked this. Miriam's also might become a university. I don't think so. Because then it also would have been the oldest. Yeah. But like, I don't know, it's um, kind of the parallels seem a little too poetic. But I'm like, I don't know, our, you know, city is famous because we had two super codependent brothers practicing surgery on people. Right. They literally had a joint rocking chair. Weird. Um, They had a shared checking account. Literally, their entire lives. They both got married and had children, and they still shared a checking account. Actually, I heard, I, I don't know if this is entirely true, but according to family lore, they want to build a breezeway that would connect yeah. their two and houses. Their, their wives were like, no. You need to shut this shit down. I already can't have my own bank account. I have to share it with my brother and sister-in-law. Yeah. We are not building a breezeway between our houses build your own clubhouse in the backyard you weirdos like so i don't know the whole like working together like it wouldn't be the weirdest thing Mm-mm. it wouldn't be the weirdest if they had both kind of take taken their father's fortune and built these mosques well and if faith was super important to them like why not yeah no i mean honestly it seems like a really logical progression like you have yeah. all this money your faith is very important to you you're well educated like of course, you're going to do something constructive with that money. Right. Like, I don't know. And like building a mosque feels like that's just what you did in the 800s. <laughs> you, you lived, you had babies, you built mosques, and you died. <laughs> that's that's an interesting take on it, Emily. But yeah, that is uh, the story of Fatima Al-Fahir, the founder of the world's oldest university. Yay. Yay. Women. Doing it for themselves and everybody else. So, Kelly, who are you whining about today? So, I picked Irish, which... Ooh. Or Scottish, maybe. (coughs) Scottish. It's Scottish. Okay, I was going to say, all of our Irish and Scottish listeners are raging. They are livid. So, her name is Anne... Oh, my God. Farquharson McIntosh. And Farquhar Harson Macintosh. Yeah. Awesome. Love the name. You're killing it with the names lately, by the way. Thanks. They are all the best. I'm trying. I'm trying real hard. You're picking people exclusively on their their names. names. Yeah. 
This woman lived a very unremarkable life, but her name, her name was is like badass. It was like Titty McBang Bang, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's her story. Yes. She was born. She was born. She was Titty McBang Bang, and she did bang bang, and then she died. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, she was born and. For Quar Harson, so obviously she wasn't married yet. So, but she was born in Aberdeenshire in 1723. Oh, we're jumping way forward. We're in modern times, right? People so she, are on their little segways. So the reason that it's Far Quar Harson Macintosh is because she was part of the Macintosh clan. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of clan stuff going on yes. in this story, and 100%. I don't fully understand a lot of it, but. So she's part of the Macintosh clan, and she was daughter of um, John Farquhar Harson of... in No, she wasn't part of the Macintosh clan. Sorry. She was part of the Farquhar Harson plan, and her dad was actually, like, the chief okay. of the clan. He was the top guy. Yep. Her mother's name um, was Margaret, and the family were very sympathetic to the Jacobite cause um, of the time. Obviously, I don't even think that's around anymore, really. No, it's they kind of got super squished. Not. Squished. Um, uh, <laughs> it didn't end well. No. Um, but in 1741, she was married to Angus of the Macintosh clan. He was the chief of the Macintosh clan. So, you know, like, it's the whole, she's the daughter of a chief, so she's marrying a chief. Yeah. Making the clan stronger. Yeah, and, like, uniting them. Um, And the interesting thing, though, was he and his family and his clan were super anti-Jacobite. So she was a Jacobite sympathetic. Like, they weren't Jacobite themselves, but they were like right. sympathetic to the cause. And she married into a family that was very anti-Jacobite. Very oh my interesting. God. That, that sounds like... Talk, right. talk around the right. dinner table was... It was very... It had to be interesting. To the talk, point where... Talk around the haggis was intense. Right. To the point where when um, the Jacobite uprising happened in 17... Um, Something. 15, 17. <laughs> so the original Jacobite, Jacobite uprising was in the 1715s, so the mm-hmm. early 1700s, and after and Angus was obviously against that. Um, And after that, Angus became captain of the Black Watch, which was part of the English government's, like, force to basically find the clans that weren't loyal to England. Oh. And, like, kind of quash them out and they they ended up becoming like a regular army regiment versus like kind of a, like a watch it's almost eventually like, it's almost like a bit of a collaboration yeah it was, like exactly it was it really was um uh, and when the jacobites would rise up again in 1745 so this is after they got married um angus would obviously go to help the british against the uprising so he left his wife <laughs> is at home you know, doing her thing on the totally and, opposite end of oh, the yeah, political 100%, spectrum. Because <laughs> um, ladies, An- Lady Anne's loyalty still very much l- lied with or laid, Lane? lay with the Jacobite causes to the point where when the Jacobite prince Charles Edward Stuart um, landed in Scotland, which was apparently a whole thing because apparently he left wherever he was staying with two ships, like one full of people and then one full of like his money and arms and the second ship sank. So he got to Scotland with a bunch of people, but he didn't have any, like it was, Oh my God. Apparently this guy was not 
the like not that he was a bad person but he was kind like the gist i got because i didn't look into him but like then he no was kind one, of like a klutz and people no were like surprised. how are you alive yeah no one was surprised that he lost the entire ship full of his, his um, stuff yeah exactly but when he landed Anne was like hey come to my house which you gotta remember this is angus's like family household and he's yes. super against it so he like she had charles over or prince you know and was like Yay. What's and like up, buddy? actually like got to know him. She would go on to raise or she was only 22 years at the time years old. Oh my and God. at the time she would raise between 200 and 400 men from not only like her clan, the one she married into. So she actually managed to like get the Macintosh people like to help, which is insane. But oh I'm pretty God. sure I'm sure it was like, I am the chief's wife. You will fucking listen to me. That's how I envision it. Cause it, a lot of the articles specifically were like she forcefully enlisted these people <laughs> forcefully she was like just really enthusiastic right she's a great orator she may have had a sword who knows so some of them were from clan mcintosh and then another uh, some of them were from like a neighboring clan called um clan chatton and so she raised these people for the prince and as women couldn't command in the field so she kind of commanded from her house. Yeah. But she like she couldn't go into the field. The regiment was placed under the command of Alexander McGivelry, which is great. Who was the chief of the clan McGivelry and um a member of this confederation that was under Clan Chatton, which who's, you know, she raised people from mm-hmm. that. To the point where the men started calling her Colonel Anne. I love that. And they called it Colonel Anne's regiment. Because she raised them, you know, like she got yeah. them to come and join. So this regiment of somewhere between 200 and 400 men joined um, Prince Charles's army at um, Bannockburn and um, would basically go on to fight side by side with Prince Charles. A month later, the prince came and stayed with Anne again at Moy Hall, which is her home. Mm-hmm. Um, and she received a message from... The, so this varies, like some people say it was a soldier, some people say it was like her mother-in-law, but someone, she got notice from someone that um, Lord Luden's men, 1500 strong, which also included like her husband and his men, were coming to get the prince. And obviously, oh, you know, so she was like, oh crap. And some people actually think maybe it was her husband that sent like the person to warn her. Which I, I like to think that maybe he did just because he's like, I don't want my wife to get in trouble. Okay. I also kind of love the idea, like this whole idea of like, while the husband's away, the wife will wage war. Yeah, exactly. Wage war on the opposite side. Yeah. And then it's like her husband's coming home and she's like, shit, hide all the paraphernalia. Yeah. <laughs> hide, hide the, the flags. <laughs> hide the, everything, everything, just like all the walls turn around and it's all exactly. like anti-Jacobite shit. <laughs> it's super funny. Um, So remember her company only has like two to 400 men. Yeah. This company that's coming is 1500 men strong. And they were about eight to 12 miles away at Inverness. I've been there. Yeah. So they were planning, they were marching from Inverness to this Moy hall and they, they were planning basically a night raid to get the prince and mm-hmm. claim a bounty on his head, which was about 30,000 pounds at the time. Holy shit. So she was like, crap, like what are we going to do like we don't have time to get you out of here like so what she did is she sent some of her staff out with guns like they're like he's like here's some guns here's some torches go out into the woods 
make a whole bunch of noise and shout various clan um, battle cries. Uh huh. Because that was, you know, that's something when you're like raised in a Scottish clan, you know about the other clans and stuff. It's like, you know, families will have their coat of arms. They have their individual battle Exactly. So she knew enough of these and were able to teach her staff them to the point where when like the scouts and stuff from this government army got close, they basically thought they were about to face an entire army of all these various clans because they, you know, they saw people with guns and they heard them like yelling their battle cries yep. and there was a bunch of noise. I count like 50 clans out here, guys. It reminds this me of like Sybil good. Luddington where she had like eight people say, and scared off of like, you know. I was just going to say she used her her siblings to basically shadow puppet exactly. a bunch of soldiers. And this one she was just like you, army. random servant, go. Yeah. Um, And the ploy worked and the government forces fled back to Inverness and this actually, this event became known as the the Reut of Moy, even though like nothing actually happened. I love it. Or the route, maybe. But so the next the next month, um, Angus got captured um by the Jacobites in Inverness or north of Inverness. Um, however, the prince kind of took pity on Captain Macintosh and was like, okay, I will release you into the custody of your wife. And basically, he said, quote, he could not be in better security or more honorably treated. Apparently, the legend goes that when the husband and wife saw each other, she greeted him saying, your servant, Captain, to which he replied, your servant, Colonel. Oh. So, like, that kind of reinforced the Colonel Anne nickname. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Prince, Char- Prince Charles actually called her La-, La Belle Rebelle or the Beautiful Rebel. Which that I is love. amazing. Um, I need to scroll down. So unfortunately, a large number of her men, as um, as well as like the guy that was leading Alexander McGivory, were killed um, several months later, actually almost a year later, at the Battle of Culloden. And this is this. You can go to this battle site. It's it's marked by the Well of the Dead on the battlefield. That's what it's called. Oh. Um, And basically, this was kind of the final battle that ended the Jacobite Rebellion. Mm -hmm. Um, At this time, Anne, Anne, the wife, was arrested. She was turned over to the care of her mother for six weeks, um, who lived in Inverness. Mm Mm-hmm. During this time, she actually, like, did stuff. Like, she wasn't, she was kind of under house arrest, but not really. Like, one of the things she did is she stepped in to save a woman named Anne McKay, um, who had helped a Jacobite officer escape, and she was going to be whipped in, like, through the streets of Inverness for punishment, and Anne stepped up and was like, no, you're not going to do this. It didn't say if she, like, took the punishment for her or, like, what, but she stopped it. Yeah. Which is, I think, great. Uh, after the six months with her fa- her mother-in-law, she eventually was released. In an, an interesting way, she was released into the custody of her husband. So, like, it was kind of a nice role reversal there. Yeah. Um, and despite the fact that they were on opposing sides of this uprising, it, it all records actually say that Anne and her husband seem to actually have lived together very contentedly and, like, ruled to- <laughs> like that done well together. You know, like, yeah, I, I think it's in- incredible. And apparently... There's a part of the lore of this whole like thing goes that she would later meet Prince William, who was the Duke of Cumberland, who was the one that like ended that Jacobite rebellion. He was at that battle. Mm-hmm. And supposedly, 
um, he asked her to dance and the, the dance he asked her to like the song that was playing was this really like pro England, pro government like tune. And she was like, I will only dance with you to this song if you dance with me to a, like a Jacobite song. So like, so apparently oh. that happened, but that that's kind of her lore. She would go on to die in uh, March of 1787 um, in Leith, which is part of Edinburgh. 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 Um, and she is buried in the old Leith burial ground in Edinburgh. Um, and her grave is marked by a white Jacobite rose and a commemorative plaque. Dude, I could have seen. Oh, this is why I want to go back to Scotland. Like I saw a lot of amazing stuff. But every time we cover a Scottish story. I'll go to Scotland. I'm like, oh, I, I have to look that up or I have to find that. And actually, speaking of Scotland, all of this was sounding really familiar. Mm-hmm. So the battlefield where the Jacobite uprising was officially quashed. The Well of Death. Uh, I've been there. Oh, really? I, I have been there. It's uh, Culloden. Mm-hmm. It's in the Highlands. And yeah, they have they have like flags posted up to be like, okay, this is where this line was and this is where the other line was. And they've got a plaque and museum. It's, re- it's really, really cool. And then the cool thing about in the Highlands is that all the signs, or at least most of them, are in both English and Gaelic. Oh, really? That <laughs> yeah, is cool. Which is really neat. But yeah, I, I'm like, this, this just sounds super familiar. And I looked up. I'm like, I have pictures of myself there. Do you really? Like, I've got to, I've got to look those up. Because I specifically remember we wanted to take pictures, like, of us there and everything. But because it was such a a heavy place and like a really you yeah. know, important place we're like we don't smile in any of the pictures because it just seemed a little like weird, weird? to be yeah. like doing the peace sign where all these people died and it's like a real heavy I'm, I'm thing glad. i'm glad you didn't do that yeah but yeah that that's super wild that's funny thank you for sharing You're i feel i feel so close to you right now so and Emily. to scotland No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One of these days, I'm just be like, nothing. I'm crabby. Um, so I am thankful that my new job is going well. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm feeling really re-energized and invigorated to be doing something that I can, I can like, be passionate about. Uh, and also we are, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of learning and like, okay, what are, what are some of the issues with housing that we can address and how do we address that? And so I've been doing research on like racial housing disparities and that kind of thing. And, you know, the history behind that. And it's, it's different because like, obviously like for this podcast, we research stuff that's super depressing all the time, but now I'm getting to research stuff with the, with the lens of. And what the fuck are we going to do about it? Which is great. Like, what can, what, what part can we play in changing this pattern or trying to remedy the situation or make, you know, and that's really, that's really exciting. So, yeah. So proud of you. Yeah, it was awesome. So, Kelly, what are you thankful for? Um, I'm thankful for, I'm going to go with my husband. Um. Obviously, I'm back at work, which means I'm not, like, around. Mm -hmm. But he's been, like, really good about, like, not doing all the chores, which is fine. But, like, doing some of the stuff we need to get done in prep for the fact that it's actually going to, like, start being nice out. So he, like, pressure washed the deck and pressure washed um, 
our patio, you know, and all this stuff. And I, I just really appreciate that. Cause then, you know, when I want to go out and sit on the patio, it's not full of dog crap or whatever. <laughs> Cause you know, the dogs are like, the snow is shallower here. Why would yep. I go farther than two inches from the door? Yeah. I still haven't dealt with my yard yet. Uh, like, like my, my little back patio. Yeah. Other than looking awful because that's how I, that's how it, you know, it came with the house. It's cleared off, but the yard itself, I'm waiting for the ground to get warmer so I can just rake everything. Um, And everything can dry out instead of being this like sloggy, literally shitty mess. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm thankful that he's, you know, doing that. I'm just really appreciative because obviously, like, I don't expect him to do it, you know, but it's just nice. Yeah. It's so nice when people like, take an active role in helping around the house and it's right. not just expected that you're gonna do it all well and it's like i'm not having to ask he's literally just like this benefits both of us that's awesome so yeah holy shit this was a short episode <laughs> we are just over 30 minutes oh my god it's okay it's okay um also i just i i want to take the opportunity to say because we have so much time uh if you are a $10 up patron, you get access to a special merch merch shop yeah. where everything is 10% off. You don't have to add a code. We had to like manually adjust the prices. Thank God for, I started doing it and then I finished. I, I shut down basically. I was like, this is too much math. And then Kelly finished, but it also has some uh, Patreon exclusive merch designs, especially centered around the funerary cult. It's so they're pretty cool. Check that shit out. Kelly and I have already ordered some of our new merch and I'm very excited for it to come. Yeah. And also uh, I hope all of our patrons enjoyed their women's history month cards stuff. and stickers because yeah. we sent y'all stuff and it was amazing you all got them yeah if, if if you're if you're a patron and you didn't get a card and you didn't get a card with a bunch of amazing stickers let us know we will send you more yes we have extra also if they got lost in the mail and didn't go to you i hope they went to like some angry misogynist who was right. like, was like the fuck is this shit? and it ruined his week <laughs> Well, thank you so much for, oh, wait, like us on Facebook, whining about herstory, Instagram at WAHpod. I'm like, what is it? Where are we? WAH underscore pod. Our website is whiningaboutherstory.com where we have links to our normal merch store and a link to our Patreon. If you want to join, it's as little as $1. You get some special content and some fun stuff. And then there's a contact form on there, or you can email us at whiningaboutherstory at gmail.com because we like hearing from you guys. We love y'all. Well, thank you so much for listening to another unusually short and concise episode of Whining About History. I am Emily. I am Kelly. Doth thou have, no, thouest doth have, hath an empowered day. If. If. Farewell. Farewell. <laughs>